Welcome to the Fit Factor Podcast, where we discuss health and fitness for those who may have mistakenly thought that their best, healthiest days were behind them. That's about to change. Ladies and gentlemen, this is part two of a two-part series with my special guest, first ever guest on the Fit Factor, Jody Gibson. If you have not listened to episode one yet, you're going to want to stop right now. Go listen to episode one so you can connect the dots with what we're about to dive into on episode two because it builds the conversation, builds throughout. So, Go check out episode one, and if you already listened to episode one, here we go. We're going to put the icing on the cake with part two with Jody Gibson. Mm-hmm. I have I have my own vice I have developed. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have the vice of overeating and um, unhealthy dietary practices, but now I have my vice is exercise. <laughs> Yeah. Anytime I feel just stressed or, you know, my, my go-to is, all right, go for a run, go for a bike ride, go to the gym, whatever. But all right. So I think we're at a point now, since you just talked about, um, you know, asking yourself the question, where did this come up? And we've talked about the map. So the million dollar question, the, the most important part of this thing is, okay, so Jody, I asked myself a question the other day. When did I first respond with, when did I first use food as a way of soothing an emotional response or emotional situation? I found this anchor on my map. I know when it happened. Now what? Now, if I, if I can change, if I can change my map, if my map is editable, how do I edit my map so that I can get past? I mean, we're, here it is healing. Where yeah. does the healing, how do we get healing and move forward past that stuff? I love your question. Yes, absolutely. And this is where my brain goes. And this is something I'm currently working on and I'll share it with you guys. Cause I think it's really powerful. I think that you identify whoever you were in that moment. And so I share that and say, I, I have these conversations on a daily basis with clients And I'll say to them, how old were you when the first time this pattern ran? How old were you the first time you remember feeling this way? And their answers are usually, there's this two minute pause. And then they'll say, I was four. I remember, and they they run through it. Or they'll say, I was nine. And this is what happened. And I'm like, okay, where did, if say that you were nine years old, when it happened. And then then my next question is, where did you used to feel the most safe when you were nine? And so people will say things like, I would hide under my bed. I would go in the backyard on the swing set. I would go to my grandma's house. I would go for a bike, whatever they say, right? It's like, and then my next thing I I say to them is, can you give that nine-year-old version of you a nickname? Right? So say that your nickname was, my name is Jody. My nickname might've been Jojo. Right. And so I literally say, can you take, can you invite right now that part of yourself to go to, say it's the backyard on the swing. Can you invite Jojo to go have a conversation with you on the back of the swing? 
And not that you physically have to go in your backyard, but you could sit down, eyes open or closed, and have a conversation with your nine-year-old self and say, hey, I know this was big and scary for you. Share with me what you needed in that moment. And it might sound crazy right now to say, wait, you want me to have a conversation with myself? Yes. I want you to have a conversation with that part of you. Because until that part of you feels whole, there's no way it can integrate into your current self, right? Until until that part of your map isn't inflamed and on fire, like as long as that part of your map is either this cavernous hole, every time you pass through it, you're going to fall into it. So until you heal that space and be like, no, I can absolutely, I can hit stress and I'm good. I know what to do. Or I can hit whatever. So the answer is going back and having a conversation with that version of you. Go back and have a, a heart-to-heart, a one-on-one. It Depending on how young you were is dependent on how much information you'll get. And I know this sounds really crazy right now, but I'm encouraging you guys to go do it because when you go do it, you're going to be like, oh my God, that was so crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize the answers that are going to surface from that little part of you. And that little part of you is clearly still alive and well, if it can answer the questions. Hmm. And so what often happens is that little part of you say that you were four and you healed this capacity. It might then graduate you and you find this other place where you were kind of snagged when you were eight or nine. And then you heal that place, that place. And it, and it, now you're like, okay, I just found this other thing that hooked me up when I was, and this might happen over a month or two. Right. But then when, when you're having these big emotional responses, Now you're having them as, instead of as a four-year-old, now you're having them as a nine-year-old or as a 13-year-old. And you're just maturing that emotional response that was kind of frozen in time. I feel like I can share one more concept in like a minute or two that would really open people's brains. Do it. Way way back in the day in the 1950s, there was a, a medical diagnosis, if you will, a mental wellness, mental illness Um, diagnosis called arrested emotional development. And so the concept of it was at say that stress hit you when you were four years, you witnessed something when you were four, say that you were supposed to um, let's use five, say that you're supposed to um, your parent was going to pick you up from kindergarten and you're sitting there as a five-year-old trusting that your parent's going to come get you. And for some odd reason, they forget. And this is what I'm talking about. when We talk about trauma. It doesn't have to be big. Your parent forgets you. So you're either sitting outside. You're like, holy shit, where's my parent? Like, what is, right? And they forget you. So either you're left outside the school or somebody from the school comes outside and comes in to get you and says, hey, let's call a parent. And your parent gets there and they're like, oh my gosh, I told whatever happened, right? But that's forever embedded on your map. And now present day, every time you try to trust somebody, you're like, I don't know. Uh, it's because that that traumatic moment was never processed. And now every time you lean in to use the emotion, trust, what comes forward is that five-year-old response. This is why you can see people in public and people around us have a full-on childlike meltdown, even though they're an adult. Because that emotion, whatever emotion was just triggered for them is anchored on their map in the age that it was frozen, in the age that it was paralyzed, if you will. And so until we process these things on our map, we're going to keep having these really, um, I don't want to say inappropriate because I feel like that feels like judgment. We're going to keep having these um, 
emotional dances, these emotional um, experiences that don't match our age. Would immature, would immature be a better word? Yeah. Immature would, would sound good. Yeah. And I, it's just that part where either we judge ourselves or we find ourselves judging other people. And it's like, nobody wants to act like that. They just don't have the skill to process what's happening for them. They don't have access to say that it's fear, abandonment, betrayal, whatever it is. They don't have access to that emotion like you or I do. And and I sure we all have these, right? I'm not saying my, my yeah. map is a thousand percent, right? Like we're all, we've all lived through life with all these. And we, you can also call them micro traumas, but like trauma doesn't have to be like one of my, when my parents got divorced or one, like we, whatever, it doesn't have to be something big. It can be these little tiny things that was just really impactful for you. And your solution to that was whatever, but say that you go home that day and your parent is like, well, I didn't mean to leave you. Why were you crying? Now the teacher thinks I'm a jerk. And the parent is now shouting at you. And you're the one that got left. You're five years old. You only have the emotional capacity of a five-year-old and they're just berating you, berating you. And they don't mean to, right? I mean, they don't have enough emotional intelligence to know how to not do that. And so they're just exacerbating this. And then we find a way to cope and soothe. We go into survival mode. So imagine that's how these things are built. That's how coping mechanisms either don't happen or how addictions and um, I should say that's that's how a- appropriate coping skills don't develop. And instead we create something in its place. But that's how really this all starts. And it's all, I want to say it all starts really innocently like, I don't think our parents ever meant to do us harm. They just didn't have the capacity to know exactly what we needed, right? I always say, like, we don't know what we don't know. And once we do, we operate differently. Yeah, I think I remember a portion of your book. I might be thinking of a different book, but I feel like I remember there being a part of your book where you talked about, you know what? Everybody's doing the best they can. Yeah. But we are all we all make so many mistakes, you know, but it's not like anybody's intentionally trying to traumatize their child or have these incidences on their map that wind up hurting them 20, 30, 40 years down the road and keeping them arrested. You talked about the arrested development. Um, We're all doing the best we can. I know there's plenty of times as a parent that I look back and I just think, man, I wish I would have been better here, man. I wish I would have never said that. Wow. I wish I would have never done that. I wish I'd never made my kid feel that. Um, But it's just doing our best. Well, I'm just going to circle back and say two things. I feel like I've had the luxury of having two kids that are 17 years apart. And I, I feel like it was an honor because I, I, I always say like, I think I completely screwed up my older daughter. However, we have this amazing bond because we grew up together. I was a teen mom like that. That's, that's my story. And so my little daughter is now, my older daughter's 30, my little daughter's 13. And so I feel like I'm learning so much more by having this gift of being able to do this again. And what I can share is the greatest thing that we can do for ourselves in those moments is just have grace and compassion. And even if there's times where I'll say to my older daughter, I, I apologize. I never taught you that skill. Like she'll get really frustrated or mad about something. And I'll say, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I didn't have access to that skill then, but if it's helpful right now, I can tell you what I've learned since I taught you that. I can tell you how I would do this now 
if it's helpful, right? And I think the, the, the greatest thing that we can be is transparent and vulnerable and say, parenting doesn't come with a manual. So none of us know what we're doing. Even now with my 13 year old, sometimes I'm like, do, do people realize like I'm the person in charge? Like, I don't think I should be in charge here, right? In a funny <laughs> way, but it's just about understanding. Like sometimes I'm like, is there an adult here? But it's that candid way of just really allowing your kids to grow and thrive by seeing you be vulnerable or seeing you be transparent or by them seeing you have emotions. Imagine how different our lives would be if we watched our parents express emotions and if somebody held space for us to process emotions. It's really what this is all about. And so instead of housing or pro instead, sorry instead of processing and experiencing the emotion we just contain them and we embody them and we shove them down or we mask them right and so it's about understanding like there's times I'll say to both my kids I have no idea what I'm doing or I this really sucks I don't have an answer right now like what do you guys need like i I I don't even like how can I support you through this what do you right and it's just about being really real and I think what that teaches them is a, their mom doesn't have all the answers. And B, there's going to be times in life where it's okay to not know. It's okay to not have answers. It's okay to say, can I just catch up my breath? Can I get some support around here? I think that's the other thing too, is we've been taught to be so um, self-reliant and fiercely independent. Like fierce independence is a trauma response. Like if you have to do it yourself and you're not going to take any help and th that's a trauma response. You learned at a really young age that you had to take care of you and that no one was coming to help you. I think that's huge for us. Um, Generation X Xers is like, we're figure it outers, if you will. Yeah, for sure. But what we realize is sometimes we expect our kids to figure it out instead of saying, let me stand in the gap. Let me be the person who, who wasn't there for me. Or let me be a little bit more transparent versus being the parent that's like, because I said so, right? And kind of walking them down. Well, you can make that decision, but here's the consequence that follows. And I think that's, I think that's what's missing in humanity right now is just letting people be whoever they are, wherever they are, instead of expecting them to be who we need them to be. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's deep. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other topic. <laughs> well, you know, we're not going to solve all the world's emotional eating and stress eating in this one podcast, but at the very least, what I was hoping to accomplish with this is to basically to show people that there is an answer to fixing the things that they're struggling with. And it doesn't, it's not going to work if you just try to do it through sheer willpower. Right. It's just not. It's not going to work if you just try to be self-disciplined. These are things that will work temporarily, but they are not. And it's just like the medication we talked about earlier. It's not fixing the real root of the right. problem. I, there's a there's a portion of your book, and I'll just read this, and, and then we're going to bring the plane down. Uh, but there's a portion of your book on page number 102. I wrote this down, and I think this is really important for us to get, understand this, but also understand it, realizing now that we can change our map and we can change who we are. But it says, the more you run a pattern, 
the more fluent the neural pathway becomes, the more fluent the pathway, the more it runs on default. Eventually, the response becomes who you are. And we have people around the world in the diet world trying to lose weight through willpower and self-discipline and following structured programs and doing all checking all the boxes. And they're they're running around with issues on their maps or running around with anchors on their maps. And no matter what program they do, no matter what diet they do, no matter what shot they take, no matter what pill they pop, no matter what they try to do to get themselves healthy until they get those anchors and rip those anchors out and heal their map. It's just going to be this vicious cycle of yo-yo dieting, never being able to stick with anything long enough to see long-term real lasting success. And so just bringing awareness to the fact that number one, we have to change, we have to yank those anchors out, but it's doable. And that's to me is like the hope that that gives me, if if I'm on the other side of this podcast, knowing I'm an emotional eater, I'm a stress eater. I have food addictions knowing that, oh my God, I can actually heal the root cause of this and I don't have to struggle with this anymore. And even if I do struggle with it, I have a mechanism to cope with it. And I'm not responding to every every event like a five-year-old child. I can now cope with this as an adult and make rational, logical decisions. Just knowing that this is possible to me is like a game changer. If I was on the other side of this and, and struggling with those things, just knowing, oh, I never knew I could be fixed. In fact, I would say that there's probably people listening to this that never even realized that there was a root problem in the first place. If right. it happened to you when you were four, five, six, seven years old, you don't consciously know that. Are. It's yeah. who you are. It's just embedded in your in your programming. But the beauty of it is if you'll ask your brain, hey, brain, <laughs> when did this get programmed into me? When did this event, what happened to me? And when did it happen to make me become the person that I am? It's amazing how that information is in there. And if you'll be patient and ask the question, the information will come out like a Google search. Exactly. I was just going to say that. And and I too wanted to share this before we close and just sharing, if you ask yourself, like, and I know that we were using the word like emotional eater or stress eater, like in my brain, I'm like, what does stress mean? And so when you say to yourself, what am I feeling right now? And people are oh, I feel stressed. I feel anxious. Okay. Slow down and go deeper. Do I feel betrayed? Do I feel hurt? Do I feel sad? Do I feel beat up? Do I feel um, abandoned? Am I frustrated? Am I outraged? Like, what am I actually feeling? And when you can get down to the feeling and you're like, okay, I feel threatened. I feel angry. I feel like get to the, to the feeling and then say, okay, yeah, that, where did that start? And people are like, oh, and usually people go, they immediately sit back and they're like, and that's where the silence comes. And it takes them a good minute or two, maybe longer. It could be a week from now it surfaces for them. But the way to awaken your map and the way to ask questions and to find out what's happening, sorry, the, the way to find out what's happening in your unconscious mind is to ask questions. And so you can say, Hey, how, how do I know that this is true? Where does this live in my physiology? How old was I when it arrived? Who else was involved? 
where where was I or where like there's so many and I think it's page 134 on the book is the list of five questions that I always lead people to that if you ask these five questions they pull forward content like never before I think a lot of times the question we spend we spend too much time asking ourselves why like why isn't this working why 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 versus saying how what who where and when and those five questions pull forward five different layers of answers. So you could ask yourself the same question, prefacing it with these five different words and get a whole bunch of content you've never had access to before. Mm. So for the person that's listening to this right now, that's thinking, man, this is lighting me up. I can see where this would be extremely valuable to me, but it sounds it's it's too big for me to do by myself. I know this is something that you help people with. As an NLP Absolutely. coach, I know this is something that you could take somebody down through this journey and help them to recover and heal. So tell us, tell our listeners, where can they find you? How can they reach you? Give us your social media, all, your, all the things. Absolutely. So all of my social media is the same. It's Jody Gibson and Jody is J-O-D-E-E. Gibson. You can also Google Jody Gibson and find, as long as you put the two E's on there, um, J-O-D-E-E. There's You can jump on my website, which is jodygibson.com. Um, I'm all over social media. I often teach like courses and or I'm looking into doing events um, soon just to, I speak a lot all over the world in different places, in different genres of people, just trying to help people become, I want to say more fluent with what's possible and then we can dive into how to do it. Um, and so I feel like when I'm speaking, it's more about kind of like this, just educating people. And then we can dive deeper. Um, I do have minimal spots for one-on-one -on -one clients. I do more of the group work stuff, but I'm available on any social media channel. Uh, jump into my DMs, uh, email me, jump on my website. Really super easy to connect with me. Awesome. Well, folks, just as a quick review, I guess this is just the school teacher in me. I'm always doing like, okay, let's, let's, let's scan through and just hit the high points. Everybody has a map. No two maps have ever been the same in the history of mankind. Your map is different than every map that has ever been. There are places on all of our maps that are anchors. There are places on our maps that cause us to get triggered in certain situations that are connected to events that happen probably when before we even consciously think about can even think about but the things that we're struggling with now especially in these emotional stressful type uh situations especially when it comes to diet and eating and health there are roots in our map there are anchors in our map that if we'll take the time to try to find those we can yank those anchors out. We can heal those roots and we can move forward and stop having to struggle with the vices that we're currently using to be able to soothe every situation that our neurology tells us, okay, this is the fix. This is the fix. This is the fix. This will soothe. We can fix that stuff and, and, and end the struggling. And Jody's the kind of person that can help you do that. So if you, if any of this hits home with you, reach out to her, find her through her social media, find her through her website, go out and get the book healing your map. It's on Amazon. It's not expensive. Maybe 20 bucks might be the best $20 you've ever spent. 
because it will definitely help you navigate. And if you and if you don't want to go through um, and call Jody and talk to her personally, this book is a how-to. The whole book Absolutely. is okay. Stop and take notes right here. Ask yourself these questions and write down what comes to you. The entire book is a how-to, step by step. It walks you through this journey and so much more. So go out and get healing your map, Jody. I am excited. You know, if one person hears this podcast and it opens up a whole new realm of understanding for them and it can change their life in a positive way in the world of health and fitness and wellness, then that's a win for me. And that's why I do this. So I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to share your brilliance and your understanding of this with our listeners, because I just know deep down somebody's listening to this today that's thinking, man, that's a game changer for me. I never knew any of that. And I'm going to run with it. I'll run with this. My throat got a little cracked up there, but I'm just going to run with it and I'm going to fix it. And um, this is all because of, of what you were willing to do today. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Thank you for letting me jam. I'm with you. I'm like, if it changes one person's life, it's worth it. Yeah. I feel I like I just always will. say too, like, yeah, I always close with the idea too of it doesn't matter where you started. Like what matters is what you're willing to learn in order to heal. Boom. That's a mic drop. Nothing else left to say. All right, Jody, thank you so much. And everybody, thank you for listening to the Fit Factor today. Uh, I hope this was valuable to you. It was valuable for me. But uh, see you on the next episode. We're out.